series on uh, the book of Acts in the New Testament for, well, since the new year, really, with the odd break for one thing and another. So I hope you're enjoying it. I hope you've been reading it. I hope you've been taking away what we've been saying, maybe listening again online. Talks are online if you've missed any. And today we are still in chapter 8 as we were last time. Who was here last Sunday heard Paul Brown? He was talking about Philip in a particular place. Anybody know? It was Samaria. So Philip had gone to Samaria last week. And uh, this week we see him go somewhere else. Um, Just to refresh your memory, right at the very, very beginning of Acts... Jesus, before he ascends, says to his friends, you need to wait for the Holy Spirit, and when he comes, you're going to be witnesses all over the place. And he lists some places, doesn't he? He says in, where, first? Jerusalem, Jerusalem, and in all? Then? And? To the ends of the earth. Right, so last week we got as far as as Samaria. So guess what's going to happen next? Okay, I'm going to get cracking. We're a bit behind time. I'm going to read... The passage, which is Acts 8, as you can see, 26 to 40. Um, I'm going to turn around and read it from here. Excuse my back. Then an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Get up and go south on the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert road. So he got up and went. And there he met an Ethiopian eunuch, court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasury. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning home, sitting in his chariot, reading from the prophet Isaiah. Then the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran up to it and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. He asked him, do you understand what you're reading? The man replied, how in the world can I unless someone guides me? So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture the man was reading was this. Dun, dun. He was led like a sheep to slaughter and like a lamb before its shearer is silent so he did not open his mouth. In humiliation, justice was taken from him. Who can describe his posterity for his life was taken away from the earth? So that's from the prophet Isaiah. Which chapter? 53. And it's about, do we know who it's about? It's about Jesus. So, then the eunuch said to Philip, please tell me who's the prophet saying this about? Is it himself or someone else? So Philip started speaking, and beginning with this scripture, he proclaimed the good news about Jesus to him. Now, as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, there's water. Who's to stop baptized? Both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away, and the eunuch didn't see him anymore, but he went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, found himself at Azotus, and as he passed through the area, he proclaimed the good news to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. It's a good story, isn't it? It's got all the elements of a good story. certainly got a happy ending. It's got a little bit of um, magic, a little bit of supernatural intervention in there as well. It's a good story. So what's happening? Just a quick uh, round-up, really, of the story again, before, because I don't want to read it again, but just to let you know exactly what's going on. So... Philip's been in Samaria, he's been preaching the gospel, he's seen great success, hasn't he? We heard last week about miraculous signs, lots of conversions. And then what's happened is God has given him a specific instruction to go somewhere else. And the key is, he goes. He gets up and it just says he got up and went. So he went to this place and what he finds when he gets there, we don't get the feeling he's got any more direction from God. He just says go and he goes and he gets there and he's probably thinking, right, well, now what, Lord? And God says, see that chariot? I want you to go over. 
When he does, he gets like the biggest gift of all gifts, doesn't he? He can hear somebody reading about Jesus from the scripture, and you think, whoa, that's a gift, that landing right in your lap on a personal evangelism course. Look at that, that's amazing. So, of course, he then starts opening the scripture to the guy. He obviously becomes a Christian because Phil, Philip, or Phil, as I like to call him, baptizes, <laughs> baptizes the Ethiopian there and then, and then a weird thing happens where Philip gets whisked away, either either literally kind of, you know, transported or God calls him again and takes him off to a place called Azotus, which is between Jerusalem and Gaza as well. So, good story. Just to get this out of your mind so it's not a distraction, he's a eunuch, this guy, right? Now, we had a conversation at Stone Staff Coffee Break this week here which, about this, which I won't repeat. <laughs> it was not edifying to the body in either sense. <laughs> It's coming back to me now. So a eunuch is somebody, a man, who is unable to father children, either because he has had, a, had surgical intervention and has been castrated, or because he is physically just unable to father children. That word can be used in that sense as well. Or actually it can also be used in the sense that somebody has given up their right to father children for a greater cause. So actually in Matthew 19, Jesus talks about some are born eunuchs, some have been made eunuchs, and some have become eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom. It's an interesting phrase, isn't it? And I think what he probably means there is people have given up their rights, and in that society, the right to have children was possibly something we can't even really understand in our context here, but they gave that up for the sake of a greater cause, for the sake of what Jesus says in Matthew, for the sake of the kingdom, people have put aside other rights. A bit like the Apostle Paul, who says... If you're single, it's great. You can give yourself to God's work. Now, those of us who are married, I hope we're giving ourselves to the kingdom and God's work. But so this guy's a eunuch. Uh, It seems probable that he was a Jew, either a convert or born a Jew. He's been to Jerusalem to worship. So he's interested. He's already open and he's reading the prophet Isaiah. And my question to us today is to take a little bit of Philip and his example. Because when we open the word of God... We need to be ready to learn from it and get wisdom from it. And my question to us today is, are we listening to God? So this sermon really is about words. Philip hears words directly from God, doesn't he? God said go and he went. But Philip also knows the written word inside out. He also knows what's written in the word of God. And he, I think, is listening. I just have a question for us. Are we listening? Am I listening to what God is saying through the written word and through the Spirit speaking to us directly. So I've called today, listen to the Spirit and learn the Scripture. Okay, that's what Philip is an example to us here. Are we listening? It's all about words. So it's not a rhetorical question, by the way, are we listening? I'm asking you, are you, stop and think about it, are you listening to what God is saying? quote here just to go back to Matthew again actually something Jesus says about listening to his words that looks very small from here that's because that's it is very small over there hopefully you can see it this might be a familiar passage to you and it's certainly familiar to to uh, those of us who know the old kids song the idea of building on the rock but listen listen to what Jesus says he says everyone who hears these words of mine and he's just been teaching about prayer about not judging others really teaching about what it means to live 
the life that is surrendered to him. He says, everyone who hears these words and does them is like a man who built his house on rock. The rain fell, the flood came, the winds beat against the house, but it didn't collapse because it was founded on rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't do them is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain fell, the flood came, the winds beat against that house, and it collapsed. It was utterly destroyed. So we can be in here, can't we, hearing the words. Jesus has harsh words for those who hear but don't do. Are we listening to what God is saying? Now, who here has ever heard, like Philip, directly God speaking to them, an instruction, a clear direction, and you've done it? And there's been an obvious outcome, yeah? That's good. I've done it. Who here has ever heard God speaking to them directly and not done it? Okay. It's challenging, isn't it? I was musing on this fact that Paul spoke last week about what the Bible calls Simon the Sorcerer, which sounds like a, I don't know, like a Disney character or something, but you know, he's a magician who is performing incredible signs and wonders by some dark art. Okay, it's not by God's power, it's by some other power. And when he, in, in Samaria, hears the gospel and, and sees miraculous signs, he wants a piece of the action. And he gets a sharp rebuke, doesn't he, for saying, oh, can I do that? How, what is, how do I, who do I pay to get that power? How can I get in on the action and, uh, and do the same things you're doing? He says to Philip. And, you know, I thought to myself, if, if somebody said to Philip, uh, sorry, if somebody said to Simon the sorcerer, do you know there is a way that you, in yourself, can hear the voice directly of the God of the universe? You can have that. I think he would have been, I think he would have been amazed. He would have wanted that. You think? I feel so challenged. How often do I actually stick my fingers in my, la, 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 la. I don't know, I want to hear what you're saying, God, because I don't know if I'm Ill. I don't know if I want to do it always. I don't know that when I say my life is surrendered and he is Lord and he is King, sometimes I don't know how willing I am to do what you're saying, Lord. Help me. Help me. Change me. We prayed this morning before the service that we would be changed today and that's because we've come together and we're opening up the word of God. It's wisdom for us and we should be changed. I want to be changed. I want to be more attentive to the word of God both when he speaks directly in that in that little voice, and when I read his word. And so we don't really know how Philip heard the word from God. It says, first of all, it says an angel of the Lord spoke to him. And then it says later on, the spirit spoke to him. And uh, if you're waiting for an audible voice from the sky, you're probably not hearing anything. But we need to know God speaks to us in different ways. And if you're not, if you're not, if you're a younger Christian or things like this, things of the spirit, are newer to you, you may not know how you hear God. But some people in this room hear God when he puts in their mind, like a, a, a vision, in their mind's eye they see something and it speaks to them, then you maybe have a way of seeing and learning that is quite pictorial and God will do that and it will have a message behind it. Or he may give you literally a word, you know, it may drop into your head. He may give you sometimes a kind of vague impression and sometimes we need to learn. We need to learn how to discern, is that God? And just to say, if you get a vague impression and it's to do something that contravenes the written word of God in the Bible, it's not the Holy Spirit. 
Okay? If you, I've heard people say, I don't know about you, I have heard people say, I left my wife and went off this woman because God told me to. <laughs> I'm not joking. He didn't. Okay? That is not the Holy Spirit. Right? So it's, it's no good saying God speaks in vague impressions. Oh, I'm pretty certain God is saying this to me. Well, if that's the case, check it out with mature believers and ultimately, of course, with the written word of God because he will not contradict himself. Amen? The Bible says the, that the Bible, all of it, is spirit-inspired. So God himself brought it into being. He's not going to say something that takes, takes away from that. So, okay, just in case you think that, um, well, you've already said, actually, that you hear, you've heard the word of God directly and you've done it. I've got a story, because it's not all about me. Um, I just want uh, Ruth to come up and tell us a little story about hearing the word of God directly from the spirit and doing it. You want to hear her story? Okay. This is Ruth. Hi. So, Ruth, quickly, tell us who your story is about. This story is actually about Tim Taylor, my husband, who's away camping with the children. Okay, so Tim Taylor's not here, so we, we thought in his absence we'd just tell his story. And, uh, and when does this story begin? This story begins about 17 years ago, 2001, when Tim has finished university. He's back home living with his parents in Kent. Okay, and uh, what happened next? So Tim has finished university with a general degree and decides to seek God to what to do with his life in terms of employment mainly. And he is in a room and sets some side, time aside to pray to God. And he, he hears clearly from God or hears a word pop into his head, Southwark. Now he has no idea about anything to do with London. He doesn't know. So he gets up. And he feels the Holy Spirit say, I haven't finished. So he, so he gets back down and he's praying and he just hears one more word and it's council. So he hears Southwark Council. So he <coughs> goes online and looks up where the borough of Southwark is. That's the first thing he does. Okay. And through a long series of other steps along the way, tell us what Tim does now for a job. So... so in Britain's brief summary, he looks where Southwark is thinks, and Southwark Council thinks, how do I work for Southwark Council? And it's not a straightforward thing to do. So he thinks, well, I'm going to get into the, I'm going to lean into this and I'm going to get into Southwark. So he applies to be a TA at um, a special needs school in Peckham and is a TA and so he can get into Southwark. And I remember him telling me he used to look at cleaners that had Southwark Council on their um, vests and feel really jealous because he felt that's what God had for him to work for Southwark Council and he wanted to be a cleaner because he wanted to do what God had for him. Anyway at the, meanwhile he met a friend in Reading who had a vicar who knew Simon Hughes the MP for Southwark he said I know the MP for Southwark write to him. So Tim wrote a very brief letter saying I'm a graduate from university, I'm a Christian, I really feel God wants me to work in Southwark. It was literally that much of a punt. And Simon Hughes phoned him back and said, can I meet you, would you like to work for me for six months to organise some events at that time? He'd been the MP for 20 years, as so Tim organised that. And in the process of doing that, he walked the streets, he got to know Southwark, he met some lovely people here, he got to know Southwark really well. And Simon happened to know that there was a scheme for social work training. It was a five-year scheme, and someone had dropped out of it. 
And so Tim applied to um, go on this scheme, fill that space, and he, beca um, and he did the training and qualified as a social worker for Southwark and has worked as a social worker in Southwark ever since. Super. And Southwark Council pay his wages. Thank you, Ruth. That's good, isn't it? Isn't that a good story? And do you know what, as well, we can say it because Tim's not here. Tim Taylor has the most uh, amazing reputation amongst his colleagues in Southwark Council. People are looking at the way he manages his team. He manages the team of social workers dealing with adoption. And people want to know what Tim is doing because his team is thriving. He's so good at what he's doing. Um, and I just think, what a great story, you know? It's a bit of an old story. It was 18 years ago. It's not as old as Philip's story. That's much older. But, you know, isn't that great? God said Southwark Council. He says, oh, I have no idea what that is, but he just got on and did it. Amazing. And he is such a blessing to Southwark Council. And aren't the Taylors such a blessing to City Hope Church? So God knows what he's doing. Right? God knows what he's doing. God knows what he's doing so that when he said to the, to the apostles, you're going to be witnesses in these places, you're going to go to Samaria, I don't know what their strategy was for the ends of the earth, but when God said, go to the road, the desert road, yeah. Philip didn't say, oh, desert, really? He went and he met an Ethiopian. And right there and then, the ends of the earth are affected yeah. as this Ethiopian goes back to the royal court of Ethiopia full of Jesus. That's what happened. I don't think for a minute that was their strategy. But when God speaks, he achieves his purposes if we will listen. Amen? Okay, so listen to the Spirit. And my second point is, learn the Scripture. So, here's Philip. I know this, is what ha this doesn't happen to me ever, right? You just hear somebody reading Isaiah and say, Oh, do you know what that means? No, I don't. Can you tell me? Oh, yes. <laughs> and actually, in our culture... Uh, people are not so much reading Isaiah and want to know what it means, are they? That's not happening to me. But people around us are absorbing spiritual messages the entire time, whether they know it or not, aren't they? And if they don't come to us to ask their questions, if we're not there ready to answer the questions, who will? Do you know that? Who will? I said to my daughter this morning, I said, tell me about some of those influential people that you kids look at on Instagram all the time. I went on to there, and there's like, they're models, basically. So, people like, now help me out, Gigi Hadid, know her? Um, Kendall Jenner, she has got 100 million followers on uh, Insta. That's just, it's 100 million. And they're putting out all these signals and messages the whole time. And they're not the only ones, of course, everywhere you go. There's loads of these kind of pseudo-spiritual platitudes everywhere you look, aren't there? And people say, oh, I'm okay, I believe in God. Well, I think we've just heard that it's not just about what you believe, it's about what you do with that, isn't it? People need us to be on point, guys. People need us to be ready. And I've just got a question for you. If, if you're not reading the Bible, if you're not giving yourself to understanding the truth of God in his word, what are you going to say to those people? What are you going to say to those people? Who knows who Tim Keller is? Few people will, few people won't, few people won't care. But he's a very influential church leader. He led a church in New York City for many, many years. But more than that, he's a very influential figure in culture. He's very bright. He writes a lot. He engages in lots of uh, debate. Uh, in fact, he was the speaker at our UK parliamentary prayer breakfast just a couple of weeks ago. He's an American guy. And he tweeted this yesterday. 
If Jesus didn't think he could handle life without knowing the scripture inside and out, what makes you think you can? He puts it well, doesn't he? That was just a tweet I saw yesterday. I was like, yeah, how do we think we can just kind of mosey through life with a little bit of secondhand knowledge we get from, I don't know where we got it. You know, if Jesus knew the scripture inside and out, then I think that could be our cue to dig in, to lean into understanding what God says. Yeah, we need to be listening for his spirit, but we need to be rooted in the written word of God. It's how he's communicated his plans and his thoughts to the world. There's a quote I like to quote a lot because it means a lot to me, but it's from a, a philosopher called Ludwig Wittgenstein. Part of the fact he's got a fabulous name. He says this, How will you know the lie if you've not been at home in the truth? It's profound. If you don't know what it feels like to know, it's like, I know the truth, I know it, I know what it says. How will you know the lies? And also, how will you address the lies that all your peers and friends and neighbours and family are believing and hearing and they don't know what to do with them? That sounds kind of, that sounds good. That sounds like it's loving and, you know, that sounds, that sounds like a good way to go. I'm going to go with that. How will you address the lies in your own head and your own heart and in the world around you if you're not at home in God's truth? So Philip finding a, finding a man reading the Bible. And the thing I like about Philip is that, this is something I think John Greenway I've heard talk about quite a lot, is that he just asks him a question. And we can all do that. We can all ask people questions, can't we? He just says, oh, do you understand that? It's a classic cue. So the guy says, I need some help, really. And Philip says, I'm your man. If he'd said, yeah, yeah, I understand it entirely, it's about da-da-da. Philip said, well, I think you might have got that wrong. Let's just, you know, whatever the answer to the question is, you're in. Asking questions is a brilliant way of helping people, engaging people, opening people up to talk. I need to get better at that. And just to say, I just want to say, if you're not really, if you don't feel very confident in your knowledge of the scripture, of the Bible, that doesn't disqualify you from sharing your faith. Yeah, so Claire talked a couple of weeks ago about, you know, we use the word preaching the gospel, but a better translation really of what the apostles and Acts were talking about is just sharing the good news. Yeah. Sharing the good news. Yeah. You don't have to be a Bible scholar to share the good news, right? But if you don't feel confident in your knowledge of the Bible, I think it maybe shows you there's something needs attention. We can share the good news everywhere we go, and we must. And we must sow those seeds. And if somebody asks you something you don't know the answer to, you say, I'm not sure about that, I'll come back to you, or I've got a friend who knows, or bring them here. Yeah. This is just a quote that just backs up everything I've just said. Uh, It's from the guy who wrote the NIV application commentary on Acts. It says this, Our presentation of the gospel must always be based on scripture. We may decide not to quote the Bible verbatim with people who don't accept its authority, but the ideas we present must spring from Scripture. That means it doesn't help to talk to somebody and go, oh, John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You may not want to do that with people who don't think, they don't think the Bible has anything to say necessarily, but you may want to say, well, actually, do you know something about Christianity? It's a religion based on love. God's answer to the messed up world that we live in is not just to give us a rule book, it's love. It's love so that he even sent his son. That's what Christianity is about. It's the only religion there is. Do you want to talk about that? You, know, you, you need to know what the Bible says so you can give truth, not necessarily quote reams of scripture. That doesn't necessarily work. It does in some contexts, but not in all. We need to base our 
our outreach, if you like, if you will, our explanation to people of our hope needs to be based in the scripture, not on how we feel. Okay? If you, if you are elated with a healing story like hope, then you've got to tell that story. You've got to share that story, not just with us, but with everyone you know. Yeah, that is true. That's something that's happened, but it's rooted in what hope knows as well about what God says in his word. And she can explain that to somebody. So it's not just about our feelings. It must be about truth. If Jesus didn't think you could handle life without knowing the scripture inside and out, what makes us think we can? So talking about the Bible, again, you don't just want to hear from me. I've asked my friend Stephen to come up and just tell us a little bit about his journey with the Bible. Give Stephen a warm hand. Oh, that's not right. There you go, Stephen. I'm quite short. (laughs) He's just realised how short I am. We've only known each other 20 years. Okay. Are these questions okay? Yeah. Great. We talked about them earlier, but only briefly. Okay, so Stephen, tell us quickly how long you've, become, you've been a Christian. Uh, so I started coming to an Alpha course here in January 99, I think I worked it out. Okay, so nearly 20 years. Yeah, so yeah. I became a Christian during that period. Paul was leading that. Um, okay. Overhead projectors. <laughs> uh, technology <laughs> of the time. Days. Yeah. The um, days are overhead yeah, so 19 projectors. years. Great, okay. Um, and so when you were a new Christian, just tell us something about your how you read the Bible, whether you found it easy, what your experience of the Bible was. Okay, so um, practically reading the Bible was really easy because my eyes had been opened to something, uh, life had changed, so I wanted to find out as much as possible, and, and I was a student at the time as well, so I had a lot of time. Um, so I spent a lot of time reading the Bible, um, so that bit was easy, the hard bit was the language. Um, understanding the significance of stuff. Yeah. Um, I bought a study Bible, so I've, I've got this tendency to sort of get into the details of things. So I would read something, see all the little letters, go into the margins, go off onto all these yeah. other bits, yeah. not making a lot of sense of it. Um, so okay. I'd say a key point at that stage was having people around me like yourself um, and other friends someone I can see here, um, there to answer questions. Yeah. So, okay, great. That's good. Um, and for the past year, you've come to the City Hope Bible School to further enhance your engagement with and understanding of the Bible. And yeah. how's that been? That's been really good because um, as life's progressed, I'm now a father of three, time is different to mm. when I was a student. Um, and finding the time to uh, get to grips with God's word in a sort of really meaty, let's discuss this single passage, um, is lacking mm. in my life. Um, I use like a Bible app on my phone and daily scripture and the odd reading plan but um, to sit down and actually discuss. And what I've discovered doing the, the Bible school is um, one piece of scripture can have a meaning for you but if you're in a room with 20 or 30 other people, they've all taken something slightly different from it. So it's amazing how God's word speaks to mm. each person individually. There's fundamental truth, but there's mm. truth for your life as well. Mm. And mm. that's been yeah. so encouraging. Excellent, excellent. And have there been any new resources that you've discovered recently that have helped with your... Yeah, writing? so um, I started using a, a, a reading plan in my Bible app. Um, which has been quite useful, and it's a social one, so you can do it with other people and 
comment on what you're Great. getting from it and build each other up. That's been really good. Yeah. But I'd say fundamentally the best one's been the Bible Project. Um, if you've not discovered it, I would recommend it to anyone. It's the people that have done that act um, drawing out there. If you haven't seen it, go and look at it. Um, they are creating videos, so they, they draw the thing in real time and describe each book of the Bible. Um, and I'm very visual, so it helps just latch things into your brain that you can remember sort of the context of things, which is very important with the Bible, um, and the themes as well. Brilliant, thank you. Thank you, Stephen. Super. If you didn't catch that, Stephen mentioned thebibleproject.com. They are fantastic. I love them. My kids love them. Uh, videos explaining and setting context of not only an individual book of the Bible, but how that fits into the whole of God's uh, plan in the whole of the Bible. And then he does, they do them on themes as well. They, I can't recommend them highly enough. If you want to learn, read, and understand your Bible better, there are more ways, I hope you get that, than just sitting down and looking at it every morning and <coughs> falling asleep. Okay, so connect groups together. Uh, th- this, obviously, we teach the Bible here every Sunday, talking to one another, asking people for help, using the Bible app if you've got on your phone, reading plans. There are so many reading plans on the Bible app. Denise Brown is steadily work- working her way through all of them. Uh, she's a big fan as well. But there are lots of ways. And just to say, City Hope Bible School, we've done this now for one year. It's a new venture. We've had a mixed bag of people New Christians, old Christians, young people, older people. You know, I think the youngest is probably my daughter, who's 14, and the oldest, I wouldn't like to say, but we've got a good number of older folk who I don't want to call out anybody's names and ages. Um, But it's been super, and I think the great thing is, is is what uh, Stephen says, time is short for some of us in terms of, I don't mean like we're going to die. I mean, or we are, but I mean we're busy people, right? Lots of us are busy. Stephen works long hours. He's got a family. But he's carved out intentionally this time for us to be together and get into God's word. And we're learning things together. And it's not onerous. It's not me standing up and talking for half an hour. It's little bite-sized pieces of teaching in different ways, using different media. And so I just encourage you, we start that again on September the 21st. It's only one session a month nine sessions in a whole year. I've got some sign-up sheets at the side for afterwards if you'd like to express your interest. But what I'm saying to you today is God is speaking all the time. He's speaking to us through his word if we'll look at it and if we'll engage with it. And he wants to speak to us by his spirit directly as well. We are filled with the spirit of God, aren't we? He communes with us. Are we listening? Are you listening? What are we going to do with this today? I'm hoping the application of this is that we go away and we listen more. That's pretty simple, really, but straightforward. When you pray, ask God, what are you saying, Lord? My husband does this all the time. You notice he gets up at the end of services very often and has what we call words of knowledge, which is where the Spirit of God has shown him there's people in the room with certain uh, problems, either physical or emotional. And very often he, he gets those by, he'll get a pain in his knee. So just recently he came out of work one day and he was like, oh, I had this sudden pain. I feel really weird place to have a pain. And then it just kept going. He thought, well, I think that's God. And he brought the, and then it was after Alpha one night, he said it and a guy, got, a guy who wasn't even Christian yet got healed. Yeah. So, I mean, but he's listening. He's intentionally listening all the time. I use him as an example, not me, because he's much better at it. 
Um, and he sits here, you'll see him sort of sitting just with his eyes closed towards the end of a sermon, asking God, is that, what do you want to say, Lord? If we ask him, let's be ready to hear the answer and do what he says. Amen? Amen. Amen. Um, I'm just going to pray, and then I know Sue Ferret quickly wants to say something. But Shall we stand? Shall we be active in our response to what God is saying to us? God is always saying something to us. He's speaking to us, his people, his children. Will we listen? Let's just pray. Father, thank you that you love us. You're a good father. We're loved by you. Thank you that um, you've not left us as orphans, as Lord Jesus said, but you've sent your spirit. He is with us. <sighs> Speaks to us, guides us, reminds us of everything that you say in your word. He brings things to mind. Lord, I thank you. Thank you that you are alive and at work in this world, the world you made for your glory. And Lord, we just want to be more attentive. Lord, we want to pay attention more to what our Father is saying. In that little voice that comes by your Spirit and in the written Word of God, help us, Lord, as we respond to you today and say, you are Lord. Lord we've, as Christians, we've surrendered. We've handed over the keys, as it were, to you, Lord. You're in the driving seat, Lord. And, and, we, and as, as surrendered people, we know we need to listen to the voice of our, our Father, our God and King. And so, Lord, we say, help us. Uh, forgive us or as we confess our sometimes our unwillingness to follow when we listen Lord help us forgive us yes. and keep drawing us after you into your word attentive to your spirit Lord we know you're speaking would we be those that listen and today we say yes Lord we will we want to be those who listen in Jesus name Amen. Amen if you want to sign up for the Bible school or show an interest come and see me over here at the end God